Hello, Annie Trenders, and welcome back to the Anime Trending Podcast. I am your usual host, James, and uh, today I am joined by only one of the usual suspects. Oh no, introduce yourself. Hi, it's Nico. Uh, I am, I'm always here. Uh, unfortunately, Gracie is not here this week. Um, so sad, but if you need to listen to Gracie, she also hosts um, Grill Talking Podcast, which also airs weekly, so be sure to check that out. Yeah, we- weekly and more consistently than us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's just jump right into the chart check then. I don't know if we have any... Good... We have news. We'll talk about it after the chart check. I yeah, mean... let's jump right into our for week. All right. So, this is for week four. This chart was published on the 5th of February. Uh, and we have in first place, Vinland Saga Season 2. In second place, The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten. In third place, The Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young Lady. In fourth place, we have Buddy Daddies. In fifth place, we have Tomochan is a Girl. In sixth place, we have Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible. In seventh place, we have Bofuri, I Don't Want to Get Hurt, So I'll Max Out My Defense, Season 2. In eighth place, we have Inspector, Season 2. In ninth place, we have the Ice Guy and his cool female colleague. And in tenth place, we have Onimai, Now I'm Your Sister. Wow. That's, uh, that, that is a shakeup for sure. It really um, is. I, I didn't expect... I that That's a shocking list to me for two reasons. One, honestly, I think it's surprising Vinland Saga Season 2 is at number one. It absolutely deserves it in, in this respect. Um... But it was so funny seeing like all of the Twitter discourse where it was like, yeah, Vinland Saga is is a little bit less interesting because it's not as violent as the first season or there's less action sequences. And it's like kind of missing the whole point of like a lot of the show going forward. But I I love season two at this point. I finally got through season one um the last couple of weeks. So I had like that whole emotional buildup without having to wait uh for all of the 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 amount of time gap that we had between season one and season two and it, it just gets better i think from here i think it's a beautiful season to watch highly recommend you check that out if you haven't yeah i'm i'm glad it's it's a pity gracie's not here because i know she was advocating for vinland saga a lot last week yeah because uh, it, it wasn't doing so hot because first place this is up three spots from uh, the week uh, three position so pretty pretty solid leaps there um, I'm kind of surprised at the fact that we have two new entries into the top 10, which is Inspector Season 2 and Onimai. Uh, I know last episode I joked about watching it. Uh, I'm probably going to keep to that now that it's in the top 10, because apparently it's top 10 material, so you, I got to check this out. You apparently have to keep it on your radar, which is like a little cursed. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but but it's like, I mean, I mean that's, that's funny, because it's like we have that one, and then with Inspector Season 2, they're both, yeah, like you said, first-time entries. And Inspector Season 2 didn't really have the best start, too. It was like, it wasn't just, like, not top 10. It was, like, like what was it, 15th, 16th? It was, like, it was low. super low for them those first couple of weeks. So it's super nice kind of seeing a show kind of having that, that turnaround. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that, that check up. Let's see. In first week, debuted at 21. Oh my gosh. And then second week was 20, so it jumped up one spot. 
And then third week, it was at 48th place. And now at fourth, it is week four, it has finally cracked the top 10. It went up 40 spots. That's crazy. Like, I don't know if there's just like a huge amount of fans that like had to organize that part to get to the spot. Um, Because like there were other things that kind of made this week a little bit stranger. Um, Yeah. Because it was like from last week, we talked about a lot of the delays that hit some of these shows. So, um, Near Automata version 1.1a isn't on this list now moving forward until they air another episode, which might not be for a while. Um, yeah. If you look at week three, it was like Onimai was at number 11. So you kind of, if you, you take out Near Automata from the top 10 and put Onimai just up one space, that's where you get this spot. But with, um, but with, uh, Inspector season two, it's like you go from literally bottom, like literally the started the from lowest, the bottom. Now we the hear. one that is the lowest at, on week three at number 49 was card fight Vanguard overdress season two. So, uh, sorry, sorry, Medi, that he's probably going to correct me. If you he ever hears this, he's like, actually it's a wheel plus dress, not overdress, but, um, Sorry, <laughs> that's at the bottom. <laughs> the funny thing is, it went up a spot because Nier isn't there anymore. <laughs> it went up one spot. Yeah, wait, no, did did oh, did 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 Card Fight go up? It was forty ninth last year, or last, not last, last year, last week, week and now it's forty eighth. It's, it's gone up one one slot. Yeah, so it, it's so strange looking at that because, like, I saw that it was kind of. I guess Inspector was hovering at like the twentieth, but then yeah, I know seeing it drop twenty eight spots from week two to three, and then jumping up to number eight, he's like actually crazy i think we should look into that um but also i think that there's a decent enough fan base for um inspector that it could just have like an actually good week for this point to just be like he needs just the one episode to give fans that that actual push for it to um like to actually go up. for it for this time so yeah because season one was like pretty fine like i think I, I recall it doing reasonably well probably i think it cracked the top 10 at least a couple times so it's, yeah absolutely did. The, the concept has has everything it needs to to be a top 10 show i think the other thing i, I like looking at this list i mean i liked seeing buddy daddy's finally crack into top four because i feel like you're a good a real, the really really good shows are, are usually been in the top four and they kind of jostle around in that position like you have some weeks where Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Salt Young Lady uh, is at number one, and we don't have it really this week, but there's just a lot of hype that kind of gets built up between a lot of these shows going forward that anyone in the top four, I think, has positions to jump into the next uh, up up within the space. So I, I think that's a really interesting departure because you then see Tomochai as a girl drop down, and now... Um, where do we go from here, I guess, within these these top shows? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, outside of, as you mentioned, kind of the top four, I, I, it's a toss-up. It's especially now with the, the you know, meteoric rise of Inspector Season 2, I, I don't want to make any assumptions because, like, I, my expectations have been totally, have been totally, um, you know, clowned on at this point by, by what happened. So I'm... Aside from again, like the the top four, top five kind of slots, anything is possible. Sky's the limit. Yeah, I think anything is possible to get to the top ten. But I think once you get to like 
top five, then I'm like, okay, actually all bets are off at this point. So if you do want to participate in these polls and go on to our antitrends.net, we have our weekly polls um, for these shows. Um, and if you somehow get you, the viewer, get Inspector Season 2 to rank five and above, I'm definitely going to... Um, I think I'll celebrate that. I think that'd be actually really interesting seeing a show kind of go into that 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 trajectory because we haven't really seen anything like that. I think shows that were actually dark horse shows from the beginning that had a popular fan base um, for the recent example would be like Butchie the Rock where first week uh, it would, I think it was it was first week top 10 but kind of slowly um, rose so that by the fifth or sixth week it it was all over Twitter and all social media and it was like that was where you finally saw the explosion in popularity. Yeah. Um, but that was Absolutely. like original though. Like I feel like yeah. a show that could like do that same trajectory would be something like Buddy Daddies where it was like, it's, it's a pretty fun show from the beginning. And I think that if you have some clippable, memeable clips um, from Buddy Daddies, like that, that could easily just give it the, the push it needs to go from top four to like top two or top three. Yeah, um, absolutely. All right, so if if we get if we get Inspector season two to fifth place or in the top five, I will. I don't know. I was going to be like, I will eat five of something, and I was like, what is something absurd? Uh, and I couldn't think of anything that seems that bizarre. Uh, so I don't know. I'll do something silly with the number five. It's true. We could also do the thing where so it's about spirits. So we have the anime cookbook right now. That's true. I uh, have the uh, I have the anime we, cookbook that Emily we wrote. Could just bake spirit spirit looking things. Like I know there's one that's like the um, the bell things from Princess Mononoke. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. Could cook those and then eat them. <laughs> eat the cute little things. There we yeah, go. Just, eat the uh, spirits. Eat the uh, eat the yokai. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah. So I, I do have to watch Onimai. Uh, I do have that written on the, the spreadsheet for the schedule. You have is, to uh, is just, the Onimai expert. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the Onimai book report where I have to watch every episode that's available and then talk to you and Gracie about it. The power to you. Um, yeah. It's either that or Trigun, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm enjoying Trigun. It's just funny that, like, I see it so low that I'm like, it, I just feel like it's just the... Um, it's just the 3D CG thing that is just kind of like messing with it. Yeah. Um, it also kind of is like a big departure, I guess, from like kind of the usual antics, I think. I think it's way less chaotic than I think the original was. So it, it's going for a more subdued emotional drama kind of theme to it rather than like the wackiness of like the original Um opening kind of arcs before it moved on to like the more serious arc um, yeah but I think at the same time they have to kind of speed run through the silly because I'm assuming well even if this is like 24 episodes that's still way fewer than the original Trigun had like in, in terms of like space to work with time to work with yeah it's also kind of given it its own it's kind of got its own plot to work with I mean you already have the same framework in Trigun Stampede where Vash the Stampede is a wanted criminal person for still has the same big award um, for his bounty. Um, but but off the bat, they're already telling you, like, yes, he has to go after his brother, uh, Millions Knives. Love that name. 
Um, Such good that, names. That, that's presented from the very beginning of the show is that he's not just wacky man of chaos that's just going from city to city and just causing like just collateral damage just just from people creating the chaos to get him. It, it's like he's already on his mission to go get his brother, and it's very apparent uh, from the beginning. And also, the show is kind of centraled around one specific town right now with the one plant. Yeah. So it's a little bit more settled in the location um, rather than like going from like abandoned desert town to another abandoned town. It's kind of yeah. like, like it, it almost feels like the the opening act is like where he lost his family, but needs to kind of find a new family in the place that he's in now. <laughs> uh, which kind of goes back into being a much more like dr- dramatic kind of tone. I would say. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a good thing though. And this is, when when reboot I'll just say rebooting when rebooting a beloved series you have kind of two options one is to just do the exact same thing again or try to work in a new space and while I know that a lot of fans or at least at the beginning a lot of fans want you know this is what we enjoyed give us more of that it's more interesting at least for me to see that new space get explored and i think that's because i didn't watch like didn't grow up watching the original trigun <laughs> yeah um so i don't have that like childhood attachment to it so i can view it as somebody that's like ah this is this is its own kind of thing i can appreciate it for the merits of itself like standalone as opposed to comparing it to the previous version which is a position i'm not always in because there are some times when a show or a series that i like gets kind of a facelift and i get to go hmm i don't think i like that yeah and even from like in the second core right now, you have the Rusei Yatsura reboot, which um, is genuinely funny and genuinely captures the charm from the original. Um, still does the same similar like overall arcs, but because it's a comedy, I think it's a lot easier to split it up, make your own kind of jokes, and do different build-up with the, the resources you have now. Yeah, update the jokes for modern times and things like that. Yeah, and that's, that's, I, that's I think basically what Osamatsu did. That. Yeah, exactly. Like, like also, Atsu like kind of like completely changed the formula where it was like they don't expect anyone to understand any of the original jokes, so they have to reboot it. Like, but they work it into their own bit. Like that, that's so funny. I really want to know who was the person to like, or people who had to like propose. Like, yes, there's there's definitely a market if we completely reboot Osamatsu-san and um, just do our whatever we want <laughs> with this property. <laughs> Yeah, and it it paid off. Oh yeah, no, I mean I think that the first the first the the now banned first episode is just so iconic that I yep. think it's just it sets the tone of like just kind of really understanding how to craft a bunch of jokes. It's it's hilarious even on rewatch. Yeah, it is. It it's very much uh, kind of just a keep keep throwing jokes, and that's somebody will find at least one of them funny at some point, and then you've done your job. Yeah, I just think it was super funny that the fact that like they can't really show the episode anymore in broadcast is just because of the last joke where they go they overdo it and have to use like where they're all basically just become blatantly copyright characters that yeah you got Osamatsu Naruto and and Luffy Pikachu Attack on Titan Attack on Titan yeah like it was like if they if they did one parody I think it would have been fine like they would have totally gotten away with like a lot of the scenes. in that first episode, especially where it's like they're using the same shot to shot composition for 
the episode one of Attack on Titan, and then it's like, oh, by the time they were like, they threw everything in like the same screen, I'm like, oh, this definitely sparked a lot of backlash from companies that just didn't understand parody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so that's about reboot and the uh, chart check. Yeah. Um, I have I have one kind of sort of news thing, uh, and I know you have something as well. Um, yeah. So uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You, I can't you, remember. You go first. I'll think I'm of... going first. All right. Mm-hmm. So this is a thing. It's going on the internets, the Twitters, um, which is uh, some news came out, um, some, some recent stuff, I guess, uh, about Chainsaw Man's Blu-ray sales and how they are not good in the second week. So um, there's a couple different, you know, sales charts essentially that come out on on how different shows do. And so the first week, the Chainsaw Man Blu-ray sold like 1,700 copies in Japan. And then now week two, uh, the second week of selling, uh, the first volume of the Blu-ray sold 325 and oh, a lot is, of people this, are. This is new news, right? For the three hundred. This, yeah, this came out. Yeah, this came out yesterday as a recording. Oh, so I'm okay. yeah, like on the seventh, basically. Um, okay. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's sparked a lot of debate, um, which is kind of the first impulse, which is, oh no, Blu-ray sales are bad. Does this mean that we won't get more Chainsaw Man? Because you know, so many, so much of like whether or not a second season gets greenlit. You know, used to be determined, or some people still think is determined by how the Blu-ray sales do. And then immediately following that up is the second response, or the response to that, which is Blu-ray sales don't really matter as much as they used to. And so it's uh, we're still in the convincing phase of for folks that are firmly set in that first impulse that no Blu-rays aren't as important as they used to be. Um, and and so it's it's. Uh, it's a song and dance we're all familiar with, and it just happens to be bubbling up again because Chainsaw Man itself was, when it was airing, uh, there was a lot of talk about it, about things, whether or not they got cut or whether or not people like any of the like the animation style or this, that, and the other. A lot of controversy, such is the case for a show that is adapting a wildly popular manga. Uh, and so that that's it's just kind of an oddity, uh, not like groundbreaking news it's kind of the thing where you look at it and go oh that's interesting and you either leave it or you dig a little deeper because i'm insane and that's what i do uh but i'm wondering what your thoughts are on that nick yeah i mean i think that i've kind of been in the camp of like i think caring about the numbers is a little strange and kind of outdated in the current sphere uh it is interesting though because it does draw direct comparisons to um, let's say a show like Bochi the Rock, which from a lot of the numbers from that same week sold, let's say twenty thousand Blu-rays versus uh, the the, the one thousand uh, for Chainsaw Man's week one. Um, that does show a big difference in the two. I think that it is kind of concerning, but I think that there wasn't really that much. Um, what is it like insight into how Chainsaw Man was perceived in other places? Uh, but like besides like the West, I mean like Chainsaw Man was su- super popular. I think in the West, even from based on the manga sales as well as the animation sales. Um, 
not I mean not sales, but I mean guess the streaming numbers. Um, but might not have been perceived as well in Japan. Um, I think that there was a lot of narratives around the Blu-ray disc is that Japanese fans are upset because of the animation style differences or even just like the attitudes of the director, which it just feels like kind of weird personal drama that kind of gets brought into this number as well. Um, we can go like days of debate about how much did the style change that MAPPA used, um, whether it was an improvement or not an improvement for the original source material. Um, and a lot of people I think are using that Blu-ray numbers kind of just say that like the, the adaptation wasn't as effective as it could have been, but that's also why it's like an adaptation. Like they, they chose to do a more cinematic, uh, I guess, animation style within Chainsaw Man and Fujimoto sensei, um, really enjoys a lot of movie references for a lot of his stuff. Um, not just Chainsaw Man, but also with Fire Punch, um, has a ton of western elements to it that i think i think the debate on i guess whether or not the property got too westernized in its attempt to look more cinematic at hollywood style like i think is kind of a distraction from like i don't i guess i guess it's just hating it just to hate it but there's there's a little bit of like some people might not prefer that that style um it's so hard to describe it on like a podcast format over like how expressive the characters are compared to some of the manga panels, but it it's a choice, but I don't, I don't really think it brought it down. I think what's kind of brought down Chainsaw Man from my point of view critically was just the pacing. I think the pacing was just kind of uh, really slow for the parts where it didn't really feel like it needed to be slow. Um, and we kind of just end at a point which is right before my favorite part of Chainsaw Man, where it kind of really turned around for me when I was reading the manga. And it's like, I feel so, I guess, like, I just, I'm just waiting so much for like a second season announcement to just probably be like, yes, now we're finally at the insane parts of the plot that I really enjoy that makes me go back and really appreciate even like the, the, the quote, the slower part of the first half of the manga um, and then, yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because I'm looking at these uh, at these these charts because uh, it's um, Bolchi the Rock is like in second place uh, on this on the sales chart. I'll put a link to the the tweet that I'm referencing yeah. here. Uh, and then Likoris Recoil uh, is in first, and but you you see like the week one and week two things, and so week one, if I'm reading this correctly. Bolchi the Rock um, sold like sixteen thousand, and then this next week it sold fifteen hundred. So that's like a, you know, it's second week it sells a tenth of what of what it sold the week before, which makes sense because everybody's buying it as soon as it comes out. Um, but if you if you follow that trend, and I know like oh percentages are different than individual numbers, but you know if you if you're expecting a tenth of your week one sales in week two, uh, Chainsaw Man did twice as good as it should have. <laughs> I mean, I guess I mean, we're taking one of the data points on there. Um, it, it's like we wouldn't really compare a mo like a movie's box office with like how much the rentals, how it worked in the rental market, or even just Blu-ray sales after that for other properties. So it 
is kind of strange to even in like when when people were using inciting blu-ray numbers as like the de facto this is how successful a show is that was kind of weird because at that point this was like one of the only avenues to get a lot of money for the actual show because it just we didn't we were in that weird age before streaming services were the only way to actually get money was either through broadcast licensing numbers or for like physical media um, and so these days it's just, there's just so much more ways to make money that it's really hard to look at one piece of the pie and just say, this is, this is how much revenue they're leaving. There is an argument that I think they could have left money on the table for what they've done. Um, but even going into the show, it's kind of guaranteed success, um, financially speaking, just based off of like how much was bid on the show behind the scenes, which I, I am not privy to that information. And if I was, it'd be kind of under NDA, but like we can take some pretty big numbers and some guesses based on what we know within the industry of like how much streaming services were paying, um, for shows, not just Chainsaw Man. Um, and I think critically the other thing that, um, I think makes it a big risk and also kind of an interesting ploy if successful is that MAPA like a harbor set owns the rights for Chainsaw Man in, um, like the animation, as far as it's concerned, it's not through the um, the traditional production uh, committee production model. committee where you have multiple companies like Sony or uh, I don't even know. There's so many different like big conglomerates that could just band together their resources and pull um, to pull their rights to take money from such and such that like the action studios don't really get a ton of money from that spot. Yeah, seeing seeing the studio either doing it all, like being the producer, or even just if there is a production committee, having the studio on the production committee um, plays is a huge boon to the studio because it means that they actually get like residuals and stuff. Um, one of the other things that uh, kind of popped into my head is that, uh, as you mentioned, like streaming is is much more of a big thing, and it, um, you know, it anime is more than just the shows now uh it they're they're brands they're ips it's not just oh we're gonna sell you know blu-ray whatever it's we're gonna sell merchandise with uh characters on it. we're gonna sell keychains we're gonna sell t-shirts we're gonna do x y or z i mean that stuff is lucrative all you have to do is look at all the evangelion merchandise that still gets produced to understand that shows can make money long after they've aired by doing things that aren't necessarily like strictly anime which which I thought was a good which I think is a good thing because the the west doesn't have that as much and by the west I mean mostly Hollywood there was a uh I'm going to reference hot ones now uh there was a hot ones <laughs> episode with Mark Wahlberg on it if I remember correctly where he basically goes like yeah we can't make certain movies anymore just cuz they don't make money if you don't sell them immediately and get a huge you know smash hit in either the box office or um, get people bidding really high for it on a streaming service, you can't make them because it used to be that a lot of money would get made back on movie budgets from DVD sales, and now nobody buys DVDs because everybody streams stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I guess at the end of the day, I, I would almost take the Blu-ray number as a way to just kind of think about popularity in Japan as kind of like a separate thing from just how good it was overall. Oh um, yeah, I I think that there's just some markets such as Japan where more people are just more inclined to buy Blu-rays than I guess other markets, and that's kind of just like it just depends on other other market factors that people are using in there. Um, yeah, 
interestingly enough, Vimland Saga didn't really sell a bunch of t- uh, Blu-rays on release, but it, that wasn't really factored into its original choice of like, why would they continue to make a season two? I mean, if you pull up some of the Vinland Saga season one numbers from that, I mean, at that point, I forget, it originally aired on Amazon. I forget how much of that was like the budget tied to like Amazon funding parts of it just so they could own the initial bid. Or if it was, if it was just like, if the money was made off of the initial streaming rights that like ended up financing it. Cause if, if that was the case, if Amazon had stake in it, that it wouldn't have left its service. Cause now Vinland Saga season two is like on Crunchyroll and I forget if it's on Netflix. I know season one's on Netflix, but it's just, um, the, the point I'm trying to say is that there was a lot of money, I guess, factored into the streaming element. Um, and also, I guess the key thing is that the creative staff, uh, that made up Vinland Saga just, just we're going to do it regardless of the finances anyways, just because it was a really good crew. Um, yeah. And I think that they just, they were kind of a crew that could just do whatever they they put their mind to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the. It, I wish we had more information because then we could we could give more concrete stuff. But you know, none of the streaming services are ever going to disclose how many streams a particular series gets, and so that's always going to be a mystery. And as we move more into streaming, that means we just have less and less information. Uh, one thing that's also interesting, uh, you mentioned that we should use these metrics kind of to determine popularity in Japan. I think that makes a little more sense. I I think that's also true of the way that Blu-rays are sold in Japan versus how, at least in the U.S., we kind of buy them, where it's, you know, Chainsaw Man Volume 1. It's not the whole show. It's like four episodes. And they sell those and they release those Blu-rays like you know, bit by bit. So you buy the Blu-ray that's got episodes one through four, and then you buy the epi- the Blu-ray that's got episodes, you know, five through eight or whatever. Whereas here uh, in the U.S., we as United States consumers expect to buy the whole season all at once, um, which is just a completely different method of buying things, uh, as well as demanding like wildly different prices. Uh, how much? So just. Uh, Real quick, sample size of one. Nick, how much do you think a 12-episode anime Blu-ray should cost? How much I think it should cost, or how much have I seen it go for? How much do you think How much, How much? much do you think is a reasonable price? I mean, for a 12-episode, I think I would say 30 bucks, but I know historically speaking, um, actually just from looking at Fate Zero uh, Blu-rays, it's like <laughs> I've, I've seen like insane prices on, on shows like that that I, I actually would have bought like for myself. Yeah. No, I, I I won't lie. I've I've bought I bought expensive uh, Blu-rays. Three hundred dollar um, Fade Zero Blu-ray at one point. I was like, oh god, how can oh you Lord, even consider I, paying that? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, but like thirty dollars. Imagine like thirty dollars for four episodes, or forty dollars for four episodes. You know, the 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 price the price the pricing is just so different. Um, in Japan compared to the U.S., so you have to be really dedicated to want to buy those discs because if you want the whole season let's say that it's 12 episodes that's three discs forty dollars a disc that's 120 dollars uh for just the episodes and nothing more i have gotten deluxe edition blu-rays of some of my favorite shows for less than a hundred dollars uh and so that's just you know it's it's a difference in expectations and uh it just means that the bar for buying a a series blu-ray in japan is so much higher just because it is much more of a financial investment yeah, and it also kind of means like I I wouldn't really put past the average person even in Japan to 
stomach bang that much money for a full series like it, you, like you have to have a threshold of being already a very hardcore devoted fan to purchase a lot of the stuff in that i think yeah. i think it kind of requires that kind of consumer um so that kind of gives the question of like how much of it was design choices that the animation did that maybe upset the uh the hardcore fan base enough that they wouldn't go out and purchase the dvds as usual or if it was just something that like the average core but not hardcore fan wouldn't have noticed because like, a lot of these hardcore fans like i had already gone through the the manga at that point like it's already like uh it's already just something that had been consumed so much and people know every detail going from there that you have that subset of fans that like might just get upset if like a, if a show isn't like a one-to-one storyboard from the exact manga that they had just read yeah uh, this show is that this show that is airing right now isn't as good as the one that i made up in my head <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's so hard to please that part and like, there's so many times i've seen that where it's just so upsetting kind of seeing like why like the question of like there are some times where it's like the manga is like a really perfect storyboard and then sometimes where you actually do have to make a lot of design decisions because now you're working with obviously you're working with motion and sound that's two insanely big elements that require a lot of time and a lot of thought whereas like in previous manga you could just convey all of the information you can in a single still image but now you might have to have a lot more thought being put into uh motion and sound design to also convey some of the same things but you could also do more with less in in the animation like i feel like i've said enough times of like the difference on the um the promise neverland season one where they cut out all of uh one character's monologue as he's going like walking from uh his room to a hallway with this eerie dread that he's going to get eaten soon and there's nothing he can do about it oh so, yeah that scene had so much tension in it that wouldn't have been there if we had the guy talking the whole time yeah exactly and that that's one of those adaptation decisions where it adds it adds by cutting out some parts of the manga and just because it's not a one-to-one doesn't mean it's like less um less than what the original uh work was which so it's it's a little hard to kind of jump onto that take in some in some cases it's just like gotta gotta be a little more critical i guess yeah and of course you're always going to get psychotic fans it's just eh. yeah i think the saddest part though was like was most telling was how much they like like mappa because obviously mappa controls every part of this process so the bay have financial stake in a lot of these events um including the blu-rays they they uh they rented out like a big facility like expecting a really big turnout for this event and there's just like oh man that empty room would have been so sad look going through which which uh, event was this just like one of those launch events things it was like i forget which stadium it's it's one of the twi- it's like not just like twitter river but there was like a like a specific venue that had a larger amount of like capacity like they were expecting like a larger amount of people to be going through like they were expecting to sell like bochi level numbers of just like yes we're expecting twenty thousand in this first week so therefore we've rented out this large facility that can just do this big big lines of people going through oh my goodness that is that is kind of heartbreaking to hear so it, it is heartbreaking because you know internally they were definitely expecting you hit those numbers yeah um so it it definitely just means like yes they didn't get they didn't get as much as they thought they did so that that could affect some of the financial output but like i no company's gonna get wrecked off of 
the missing Blu-ray sales at this in this current stage of animation. It's just not it's just not feasible in this market or even just in the in the sphere of how stuff is produced. Because if if it's really residing on on the the money from the twenty thousand Blu-rays, I'm like we're in a really really weird spot. Um, yeah, from an industry standpoint. Yeah. That's that's all I've got. I mean, we, yeah, I guess Blu-ray. I, mean, is crazy, I don't know what right? else to say. Yeah, Blu-ray sales are. It's a lot of speculation and a lot of things to go into it that I don't think it's. I don't think it's fair to look at all the numbers um, directly and just say whether a show was good or bad from it. Absolutely, and especially since a lot of our viewers aren't in Japan, the easiest way to show your support is literally just watching the show. Just like stream it on the platform that it's hosted on, because the streaming company will see that. And um, it, it, I. I might be wrong. It's been a while since I've gotten this information, but and so correct me if I'm wrong here, Nick. But if memory serves, the way that some uh, licensing happens is that there's like an upfront, like you know, a principal amount of money that's paid for the license, and then after that, there's like a you know a little bit of money from every episode stream of just like hey, for this many thousand or this many hundred views, you know, you get X dollars, and so it's kind of like residuals, even like long after the show has already been um been out and so again yeah if you want to show and support you gotta you watch it watch it on the platform it's on because you those numbers matter and also watching it to completion also helps because i know i know internally netflix has, has definitely said that a lot of renewal rates is decided from just how many people like get through get through an the initial whole season which is so strange from like my perspective because i like basing it out so i might watch like one or two a week and not like finish it all in one go but then you might have that first week of people who are just like yes i watched all 12 episodes in three days oh geez but that that apparently helps drive engagement enough that like they'll they would consider multiple like season renewals um at that point like it's just it's such a that's strange so bizarre spot. yeah for, that's, for... that's banking so much on a style of watching that isn't necessarily like universal like they should I don't want to tell Netflix how to do their job. They're doing a perfectly fine job torpedoing themselves. But um, I, they should really look at other metrics. This was a thing that I think you and I discussed uh, back when I think Netflix still has this thing where they release everything as a batch. And for people like you and I who like to pace things out, that's not good. Dropping everything at once does not make me want to watch your show. It makes me look at it and go, oh, that's that's a lot. I'll get to that later. And then I never pick it up. Yeah, it just depends on the car market because there there are some people who take that where like the interest as it goes week to week, like it needs to essentially be like the most triple A show that has to be watched week to week to justify that model. I think from I what think a Disney lot of things Plus is probably the only company that's actually meant like Disney's the only one that's actually managed to. Yeah, pull it there, off. there was recent news where Disney Plus had lost like two point four million subscribers, and like I don't know if that's just like that, that's a really big drop for. Oh, that for got announced! Pick. I think literally today. Uh, the the the, yeah, the list form is that. the funniest thing I've ever seen. Though, let me pull it up but, real quick. Because um, my main question is like, what was the main things that were that was on Disney Plus's? Um, I guess like the first. Um, their week to week streaming stuff because I know that we had Star Wars Andrew, which was super fun. Um, definitely a sleeper hit show that I thought was was really well done. Like we're not showing like any ups, new things of Mandalorian or anything right now. It's not it's not week to week on that. I have I have no clue. I don't watch. I don't have a Netflix or a, a Disney Plus account. Just like I don't have a Netflix account. I'm I I get I get this information uh, like secondhand basically. So I yeah, have I have friends that are much more involved in Disney stuff. 
Uh, and so I just happen to be in a Discord server with them, so they give me the information. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I, I guess but, the key but, thing is, like, like the main, the, the hottest streaming services, funnily enough, for, like, a single show and single property. I mean, The Last of Us on HBO has been insanely popular enough to uh -huh. the point where, like, not just people playing the video game are watching it. It's, like, actually, like, like non-video game audience. I was asking. I wasn't gonna say normal people do this. Not this not correct. <laughs> but um, it's me. I'm normal. It's like like if you're watching that, you're also watching uh, House of the Dragon as well week to week on there. I mean, those the, just the numbers on HBO has been crazy. Um, yeah. So it, it almost feels like it just takes like the two like one or two really really insanely big shows to like kind of save your entire streaming service at this point. Um, yeah, now that they've run out of Game of Thrones money. Yeah, so like at the and at that point, like I don't know if like from Crunchyroll's perspective, if Chainsaw Chainsaw Man had to have been like obviously their number one thing based on it was just crashing their, their servers at some points. Um so yeah. like, I'm I'm sure Mappa got their money. I just don't I don't know how much of it they, they got that they didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And that's something we'll probably never know. Yeah, speaking of money, so I don't know if there's anything else to talk about from that that side. So the other piece of news I saw was that we finally have the first box office numbers for the Demon Slayer movie coming out. And wow, that is an insane figure looking at it. Um, let me pull that part up as I'm seeing because we def definitely, like, I don't think it crashed our site, but it definitely like pulled. Like we've we've been pulling a lot of numbers just from reporting on on that. Yeah, uh, it's the it's the you know follow what's popular. Demon Slayer is popular. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Here's here's the number. Opens at number one, um, uh -huh. but then it and in its opening weekend sold and earned about eight point seventy five million U S dollars or one point one billion yens. One. Billion, <laughs> a billion dollars, which is kind of nuts because it's like it's not even really accurate to call it like a movie because it's like it, it's like episodes condensed into it's a compilation film. Like they yeah. do that a lot for anime, and uh, usually the the conclusion is like, yeah, that's fine, but you should watch the full series instead. Yeah. Maybe people watch it because it's got the first episode of the Swordsmith Village arc, but. It is, like, yeah, no, that's the funniest part. So it has episode 10 and 11 of the Entertainment District arc of the last season and and the first Swordsmith Village arc episode. Yeah, which is, it's, I think it's an hour-long special, if I remember uh -huh. correctly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so nuts. So then, yeah, the first, so yeah, you basically, two hours length, you have the four-episode kind of total. Um, $8.75 million, ranked number one in the box office in Japan. That is so crazy. It's that, kind of mind-boggling. Like, I'm a little bit shocked from that news, especially because it like if you look at like let's say Makoto Shinkai's Suzume that dropped to like number four, or fifth after its thirteenth weekend. So now it's just like it's just kind of crazy seeing I guess the drop-offs between the two and just seeing like actual numbers versus like just just like an episode. You know if that makes sense. It's just like the um. I don't think, obviously, that the Demon Slayer movie has the room to eclipse Suzume because Suzume had has been in the, in the box office in Japan for 13 weeks, and this is going to be, like, in for, like, a couple weeks until the actual show Until the actual premieres. series starts airing, yeah. 
it just feels like it's kind of like a one-off flash in the pan crazy event that like really gets you thinking about how are studios and production committees going to think about premiering their shows? Should they put a paywall on by by premiering the first couple episodes in a, in a movie theater setting? Like, and how much how much room is there to do that in the um in their business model? Because not every show is Demon Slayer and could afford to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dragon Ball could definitely do it. Uh, My Hero Academia could definitely do it. Um, Boruto could probably do it for a weekend and maybe get away with it. But not every show is going to be able to do this number because there's, there's a lot of money that goes into like actually booking a lot of the theaters as well as kind of cutting the episode into that point. Um, yeah. It's just this is the most anticipated thing moving forward for next season. And so it's just you kind of get a very big glimpse at what is about to happen. I think I think it's super interesting because uh I I had totally forgotten that the this they were making a movie. Uh and so I'm like, yeah, puttering along like do 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 anime stuff, you know, Chainsaw Man and his people are talking about it. Uh Bochi the Rock, everybody loves it. And then you reminded me today of just like surprise one billion yen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that's why I was shocked too, because I just was like, I, this wasn't even on my radar, and it was like, wait, oh, they did a screening event for this? Because it's not even fair to call it a movie. I mean, it's like Moon and Train is a movie. That's like yeah. one completed arc over ninety minutes. Oh, over ninety minutes, yeah. The very painstakingly built, and so this one is like, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, I bet like the first episode for Swordsmith Village is pretty nuts from just like from what I read from the manga, but. It's not really like a big climactic Mugen Train style of um, like like episode, I guess, is what that first episode would be. But like, it's enough that you're like, it really does like kind of like just create so much hype coming in that you're like, wow, there's gonna be like another twelve episodes of this arc coming in once it airs. It's like, man, you're just gonna have to wait like the next couple months after that. It's pretty pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but we've done that before where there's like, here's the, here's the first episode. All right. See you in three months. I mean, they do that even at AX where it's like, here's episode one of a show, the premiere at, at AX. And then, okay, we'll see you in October. Yeah. That's different. Cause like I'm paying for like the, the con ticket anyways, which again, it, it's like a hundred bucks. So like, I guess it is comparable if like you kind of treat it like, like an event, like a one-off. Yeah. So I think, I think you have a point there. Yeah, uh, I mean, a movie ticket though is also like way less than a than yeah, than, but it, uh, it could be AX. like multiple things you're doing during that weekend, and one of them was I am now spending two hours of my three or four day weekend to to go to see watch, a movie thing. To, yeah, I get to see. I mean, I did that I think for the the My Hero Academia Two Heroes movie. I think they shed the premiere at at AX, so I got to watch that. It's pretty neat, but yeah. No, Demon Slayer is crazy, and I've been reminded it exists. And oh, dear listener, if you weren't paying attention, here's your reminder: Demon Slayer exists, and it's happening more. <laughs> Brace I'm yourself. Per- I'm pretty excited. Yeah, no, April. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Ufotable, please no delay. I know because because <laughs> uh, they had to delay the. Uh, they were in charge of the strange fake thing that was supposed to happen in New Year's, right? No, they. I, th- I forget which studio was part of uh, a different strange studio. Fake. Okay, never mind that. Yeah, All right, you cool. mean like like fake products like. There's so many different studios that are working on it that you might have different IPs. I, I know that obviously, like UFO Table is kind of synonymous with like the really good fake yeah, properties. Yeah, Zero and Blade with Works. Zero, and Blade Works, and um, the Lord Elmoloid. 
is all same thing. But Anaplex, I think, had, like we said in the previous episode, I mean, a lot of Anaplex stuff had a lot of issues in their their pipelines that might not necessarily affect the UFO table stuff that, like, you have to kind of check to make sure on that. Uh, Let me see, who was even doing the Fate Strange fake? The the thrill of the Anime Trending podcast where we do research during the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Fate Strange Fake was part of A1. So that's, oh, that's, okay. that is more part of the Anaplex pipeline. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Directly. I, f- I forget if UFOTable is like also like 100% part of whatchamacallit. Like UFOTable, I don't think does just Anaplex properties, but A1 will always do Anaplex. Gotcha. That it's makes kind sense. Of in the name, I think. All right. Well, I think that just about covers it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's right. just not, not a whole lot of other stuff coming down. I mean, there's just kind of the news coming in. And then we'd really love to listen to Gracie next week about kind of talking about um, just the different parts of the Saga coming in at this point. That's been my favorite thing to look forward to every week. Yeah. Look forward to having Gracie uh, back next week. Look forward to the Anime Trending Awards show. Uh, the Anime Trending Awards. Uh, that show is uh, the Awards Night is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll be, we'll be doing an episode afterwards talking about the show itself and, uh, you know, the winners and the losers and whether or not, uh, we, we guessed correctly. I'll have to go back and double check our, uh, our previous episode where we all kind of did the, who we want to win and who we think will win and see how many of us were correct. Dude, I might just be doing that on the show because now I, I had to commit to being in person for the awards now. So like, I'll be able to, I, I get to live react on the air as we're presenting. There we <laughs> so go. So now I get to be like... You'll get my 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 raw takes before, and then you'll get my raw takes after, like on hey, podcast form. This will be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So look forward to that, everybody. Uh, in the meantime, do vote for your favorite show. Let's see if we can get Inspector Season Two to fifth place. I'll have a link for that in the uh, in the podcast description. Um, otherwise, you can keep uh, following us uh, at Any Trends Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at. Konochioda on Twitter. Uh, Nick, what's your Twitter? Uh, my Twitter is at Nico the Nectel. Yeah, and then uh, Girl Taku. You should listen to them. Uh, their Twitter is, uh, I think it's just at Girl Taku. Yep. Um, and uh, let's see, am I forgetting anything else? Uh, you should give us a thumbs up on any platform you are listening on. Apparently, fewer people are using Apple Podcasts now. Write us a review if you're listening on there, but if you're using Spotify, if there's a review system, you should give us a good review. Uh, and if you're not if you using want... any of those, that also helps because there was a really interesting thing we saw on Twitter about just the sheer number of services that people are getting their podcasts from. Like, even though when we're saying, like, yes, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple Pod, uh, there's so many services out there there's that like six are or so seven. unnamed yeah. that, like... Um, it's very eye-opening kind of just seeing where everything comes from. Yeah. And uh, if yeah, if you have any comments or concerns, uh, drop us a line on Twitter. I keep saying I'm going to post more than I never do. Uh, so we'll continue with that grand tradition. I will post more, but probably won't. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, everybody. <laughs> See you next Thank week. You. Bye.